What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and today, like always, I am joined by co-host Anthony Perry, and we are back to recap the 49ers' win against the Los Angeles Rams in Week 12. It was a hell of a win, up and down. Game was all over the place, but the 49ers found a way to get the W. Does this mean they are now out on a quarterback like Zach Wilson? Does this mean that they are now back into the playoff hunt we break it all down take some questions in real time from viewers um so take a listen to this latest episode of the regular standard podcast and make sure you guys leave a five-star review to support the pod but first one quick word from our sponsor today's episode is brought to you by hugh kitchen hugh is a family-founded chocolate and snacking company focused on creating products that match ultra simple ingredients with unbeatable taste Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hugh only uses simple, real, and responsibly sourced ingredients. Hugh obsessively vets every ingredient to unite unbeatable taste with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. All of Hugh's products are gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, and aren't heavily processed. I tried their hazelnut butter 8-pack of chocolate bars, and it was delicious. Um, It's 70% dark chocolate, and honestly, it's making my mouth water just, just talking about it. So I think I might go and grab my hazelnut butter chocolate bar right after I finish this because it is delicious, and you guys are absolutely going to love it. So what do you got to do to make sure you guys get Hugh Kitchen? Well, right now they are offering 15% off. All you got to do is use code POD to get the 15% off your next purchase at HughKitchen.com. That's code POD as in P-O-D for 15% off at HughKitchen.com. That's H-U-Kitchen.com. Find out why Hugh helps people get back to human. Now let's get into the show. going on guys thanks for tuning in to our week 12 49ers versus rams live stream recap the 49ers got the job done unbelievably anthony they're able to go in there and steal a win um what are your initial thoughts from this game it was kind of all over the place we were just talking about it man but i thought the niners got kind of lucky you know i mean the rams had some missed big opportunities and that's what happens when you roll jared goff out there is that he's either going to hit a couple a couple of big time throws that Sean McVay schemes open for him. And then other times he's going to miss some wide open throws that Sean McVay schemes open for him. But um, overall, it was a really good team win. I thought that this was one of those games where Robert Sala single-handedly saved the Niners' playoff hopes. I mean, the defense arguably had their best game of the season. And I would even, I would even say that they've had their best game under the Sala regime. And I know that last season was really, really good. But just you look at all the circumstances this season and you look at everything that went on this season and what's been going on with the injuries and the offensive inefficiency. I mean, Sala arguably has been dealt a worse hand than Kyle Shanahan. And within Sala's hand, that includes Kyle Shanahan. So overall, though, the team did an excellent job. I thought um, the offense was a little frustrating to watch at times, but it, a lot of that is just quarterback play. But at this point, there isn't really anything you can coach up. It's just a matter of can guys execute. And the offense did just enough to keep them in the game, but the defense really held their own. I think you're being a little nice there when you say it was a little (laughs) bit of a quarterback play. (laughs) It was 100% because of Nick Mullins. Uh, He is a lot worse than I thought he was as a quarterback. Um, There are some times where i thought oh okay no, no no he's a solid backup he could probably win 50 percent of the games when he was first came in when he first came in after jimmy got injured i thought he's gonna win half his starts that has not been the case today he looked horrible he looked like the really bad nick mullins there were a couple of throws where i was actually impressed but for the most part it was really bad and and to be fair it was a lot of it starting up front. Nobody could block Aaron Donald for the most part. Mike McGlinchey, once again, was just a you know complete 
turnstile, just getting turned Terrible. around the whole game. Um, Colton McKivitz, we knew that was going to, he was going to have his hands full going into today. Sure enough, he did. What can the 49ers do, Anthony, to solidify that offensive line moving forward? Well, you know, the one thing that kind of gets me is that the Niners drafted Charlie Warner to go out there and be kind of a blocking tight end. And everyone in the preseason was like, oh, this is going to be the next coming of George Kittle just because of his athleticism. And it seems like Charlie Warner's name hasn't been called at all, not even for blocking. And I get that when you lose Kittle, you need to replicate that offense and try and replace it with guys like Jordan Reed and Ross Dwelly every now and then. So Warner's game time can't really come into play. But you still got to slide the tight end over to McGlinchey's side or get a running back to chip Aaron Donald on McGlinchey's side or something of that nature. Because I thought Aaron Donald was getting triple teamed all afternoon long. And Donald didn't really do much up until that fourth quarter where he demolished mm-hmm. Nick Mullins, where he really just forced that fumble on Raheem Mostert. So for the most part, I thought the offensive line was okay. But the you know the contributing factors and the consistency of Mike McGlinchey and even Trent Williams, who was getting beat a couple of times, who got called for a penalty at some key times, it was really bad. And I think to really just to try and adjust and hold over, man, it's near the end. I thought we saw Nick Mullins kind of get off quick passes like Shanahan did in the first quarter, where it almost felt like the game script came back into the fourth quarter, where it was very identical to the first drive of the game. So you know, quick passes, just trying to avoid Aaron Donald's side. And I think the moment they realize that Mike McGlinchey sucks, let's keep Aaron Donald over on that side is where we can really cause some problems for the Rams' defense. And they did. It's just a matter of Kyle Shanahan making adjustments. And it feels like those adjustments didn't come into play until the fourth quarter, which is kind of one of his, his like biggest critiques from the fan base and from reporters is that Shanahan's adjustments don't come in time or or they don't come at all. But they happened in the fourth quarter, and that's just what we need to see going forward, Zach. But I think luckily enough for us for the rest of the season, we don't got to play a player like Aaron Donald's caliber. We still have a, <laughs> we still have a really good Bills defense. We still have a really solid uh, – Washington football team defense, but none of those teams have someone like Aaron Donald. So you could say that the Niners will catch a little break near the end of the season. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, it was it was rough to see. I, it seemed like every single time Nick Mullins dropped back, he was getting hit. And either he was getting sacked or he was at least getting pressured. And it was tough. The 49ers didn't really have an answer for that. But they were at least over, like kind of overcoming that in a way throughout the first half. Um, and then the second half, it seemed like they really stepped it up in the 49ers. I mean, we saw a couple of fumbles, one from Wilson, one from Mostert. Mostert was just solely effort from Aaron Donald, punching it that ball out as he's going to the ground. Um, you would like to see Mostert obviously hold on to the ball a little tighter, but that's just on Aaron Donald. There's not much you can do about that. Um, but let me ask you this. Who are your offensive and defensive MVPs? Oh, man, Zach. Let's start with the offense alone. I mean, Debo Samuel. What was it, 11 catches, 135 yards? This dude just, he he was missed. He was sorely missed on this offense. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of underestimated how important a wide receiver would be in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And that just alone shows you, like, Debo Samuel's impact. And we saw what happened when the team missed George Kittle last season and what happened to the offense. And right now, with the offense kind of missing almost every playmaker, like in this game, there's no George Kittle, there's no Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Raheem Oster was working back from injury. So was Jeff Wilson and each of them had a fumble. So you could argue that they were rusty. Really Debo Samuel truly put the team on his back this game, Zach. And I have to give him my offensive MVP and we see how important he is for someone like Nick Mullins, who is quite frankly, not a good quarterback. He's a good backup quarterback. That's exactly what his role is. But when you have someone like Mullins coming to play, he needs those offensive playmakers if you want the team to have a shot at winning. And then you enter in Debo Samuel where you can just center the entire offense around him. And yeah, you do have Mostert who can take a little bit of pressure off. But Mostert didn't have the game that Debo Samuel did in terms of levels. I mean, Mostert was efficient and he was pretty effective, but not like Debo Samuel, man. So I got to give it to Samuel. Welcome back, big guy. And it's only a matter of time before this offense really starts clicking and everyone starts to get back healthy. We finally just got to see like a true glimpse of what Debo Samuel has to offer and offer just because his, uh, he says his season has been so inefficient and kind of just inconsistent because of the injuries. And we see what he does, Zach. We see what Debo Samuel can do. With a backup quarterback, it's it's scary, man. It's a scary season for the Niners, I'd say. So <laughs> if they're going to choose a time to get hot right now, if you're not a believer in the new quarterback going forward, they chose the right time to start now. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you. On the uh, pregame uh, preview live stream we did yesterday, me and Matt, 
I picked Debo as my offensive rookie of the game, or not offensive, offensive player of the game, not rookie. Um, and I think I had him at about 70 yards receiving. He topped that. Um, and he was he was kind of the life of the offense. He was the spark that was needed. Him and uh, Mostert in the first half, I think there was a drive, their scoring drive, it was like literally all of them. I think there was a point where they had like 82 of the 90 yards the entire offense had. So getting those two pieces back was key for the 49ers. And on the flip side, they also had Richard Sherman back who got a pick you know, pretty early on. So these three players proved that they were able to kind of come in and have an impact where the 49ers really needed somebody to be a playmaker and step up. Um, and I, I had to throw on the Debo chain snatching services <laughs> T. Uh, this is from our Teespring store, guys. Go and cop it. Uh, code high 15, 15% off. But he, I, I think, earned offensive player of the game. On the flip side, the defense, there were a lot of guys who actually stood out today, surprisingly. I got to give it to Kerry Hyder. The guy has kind of been the unsung hero of the 49ers defense. He stepped in when Nick Bosa went down. Nobody really expected him to have, I think he has like six and a half sacks on the year. That's completely found money for the 49ers. And he came in today, had another fantastic sack. I think it might've been a, a forced fumble if I remember correctly. Um, or maybe it was tipped. And that was the one that Kinlaw who had to pick six yeah. was able to run back. So who was your defensive MVP? There were a lot of guys. Well, before I jump into my answer, Shant Club, it's not popcorn today. I got grapes. I'm staying healthy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Zach, it's hard to pick who was who really stood out on defense because everyone stood out. Eric Armstead finally had some really big TFLs. I thought he blew up a lot of big run plays. He's still not as effective in the past, but there were times where I thought that Armstead finally flashed some pass rushing prowess compared to how we've seen him for the rest of this season so far. Uh, Kerry Hyder has seven and a half sacks now. He got two today. Very big. Uh, Kevin Givens was the one who pressured Goff into that Kenlaw force or that Kenlaw interception and pick six. But overall, man, everyone had the game. But I got to give it to Jimmy Ward. The bottom line is that this guy has been getting heavily criticized all season for not being a playmaking safety. And you can ratio playmaking however you want in terms of forcing fumbles or forcing interceptions or tipping the ball or whatever it may be. But Jimmy Ward finally stepped up today. And yeah, Sherman had a big interception. Kinlaw had a big interception. But hey, if it wasn't for Jimmy Ward, man, to help the Niners get put in a really good field position on both of those possessions, this game would be an entirely different, you know, like an entirely different game. But Zach, I kind of want to shift onto that too, because I agree with you, man. Kerry Hyder was good. Jimmy Ward was good. But Talking about the defense, how about Robert Sala, man? I honestly thought, he, like I said earlier, he single-handedly kept the Niners in the game. He single-handedly kept their playoff hopes alive. And at one point, the defense scored as many points as Shanahan's offense, and that, that was my little joke on Shanahan. But, <laughs> Zach, the bottom line is that Robert Sala just he, – he proved why he deserves to be a head coach. He really proved why. I mean, you look at the defense, you look at the energy they play with, and, yeah, they gave up a touchdown or two, but, I mean, it wasn't like – the defense didn't come out after those and be, you know, demoralized or down. And we saw the Niners down in the fourth quarter, 20 to 17 at one point. And at that time you thought, well, this is it. That's the game. Typical Niners football all season long, but the defense held their own. The offense came through with some points and won the game. Zach, we got to talk about Robert Solomon. How, not even how important is he for this team, but how much is his impact really shown on and off the field? Oh, so, so much. Um, Robert Sala, does a lot for the 49ers not just coaches up that defense if robert sala wasn't their dc though this season would be completely lost we would be looking at first or second overall pick they'd be in contention with you know the jets um and not that kyle shanahan isn't a great coach but he had so many losses on the defensive side early on that he was able to to kind of coach up other players that next man up mentality they really bought into it and i think uh, robert sala is, is, you know, the one to thank for that because he's kind of stepping up as a leader and showing these guys, look, if you just buy into my philosophy, if you buy into my coaching style, if you do your job and, and just win snap after snap, you'll be successful. And these guys, I think they're finally starting to see this, you know, guys like Kerry Hyder, Kevin Givens, even Jamar Taylor. Um, I know he got injured today and it does look like a serious injury. So shout out uh, thoughts up to Jamar Taylor, but these guys who have largely been unproven and kind of more like, you know, journeyman players have found a home here with the 49ers, mainly due to injuries. And while although it is sad because, you know, we do make, miss Nick Bosa, we do miss D Ford, it's given a chance for these other guys to kind of shine. 
So that is kind of the, the, the bright side of the dark side of injuries. So uh, Robert Sala is the main part of that. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan is really lucky to have a DC like Robert Sala. And I know he kind of basically handpicked him when he came to the 49ers as a head coach. And he made a phenomenal choice. Um, are you worried? I know there were some comments in here earlier. Are you worried about possibly losing him to the Lions now that they fired Matt Patricia as the head coach? Yeah, I think that's just kind of what happens in football, Zach. That's the process of the NFL is that once a coach starts playing well, I mean, you can already name some hot coaching candidates off the top of your head, like Brian, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, obviously Robert Sala and a bunch of other assistants, including Joe Woods, who used to be on the team. This is what happens when coaches call games well, Zach, is that they just turn into coaching candidates. And Robert Sala arguably should have been the head coach somewhere else last season or after last season. That's just – and, you know, I think what came into that was the skepticism of, well, Robert Sala was coaching a top three defensive unit with a top two defensive line. And you can credit that for the success. But you look at what he's doing this season now with no defensive line. You saw the linebackers. You just got the secondary back. But overall, the injuries on defense have been huge for the team. And you see what Robert Sala is doing. You see that he is the reason why the Niners are competitive on both sides of the ball, even over the offense, man. I mean, if I'm an offensive player and I see the defense going out there balling out, I'm going to want to play hard for them. And a lot of that resonates with Robert Sala. A lot of that resonates with the entire defensive coaching staff. But it starts with Sala. Yes, I am very concerned excuse me, that he is going to leave after this season. Um, it's going to suck, but I, I honestly do think he deserves to be a head coach somewhere, man. And that's just what happens when you work hard. That's just what happens when you bring a team that is down and looks like they're going to be picking you know, within the top 10. And now you put the Niners above that top 15 pick where they still have their playoff hopes alive, man. And with you know with high-octane offenses this season, you can't really say that, well, the offense is the – or. You can't really say this season and with the way the league is in particular that the defense is the reason a team is still alive. Usually it's the offense. Usually it's the guy scoring 30-plus points going, oh, well, they won the game because the offense was good, and that's why they're still in the hunt. For the Niners, man, it's the defense, and a lot of that will be credited to Robert Sala, and it's going to suck that all these head coaching spots are now open, especially in Detroit. Uh, Falcons are open. It looks like the Jags are going to be open soon, man. So it's going to suck. It's really going to suck to lose Sala. But right now, I will say that with his success for this team, I don't want him to go, man. <laughs> I really don't want to yeah. lose Sala. But just like players, man, coaching is next man up. And that's just what's probably going to happen after the season. Yeah, we were asked. Um, I definitely don't want to lose him either, by the way. We were asked yesterday uh, in our preview live stream who steps up if, if he goes. And we both, Matt and I both agreed, likely D'Amico Ryans, although there could be another guy that Shanahan and, and the coaching staff likes to promote in that case. Um, we do have a super chat. Appreciate you. Great win. Everybody liked the vid and join to the hive. Hit that subscribe button. I think that's what they're saying. Like this video. We appreciate you guys. Great win. Um, there are also some other comments in here that I feel like we need to get to, Anthony. Uh, Cadison, and there was another one earlier. Did this win prevent the 49ers from getting a pick early enough to draft Zach Wilson in the draft? Uh, I'd say yeah. And I mean, really? Well, I mean, you look at teams that win five games, and you look at where the Niners were two seasons ago when they picked Mike McGlinchey and they got him after winning, what, six games? So if six games at that time, resulted in the number 10 pick or number nine pick because of that whole coin flip thing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they just decide to lose out and they finish with five wins, if five wins was still within the top 12. But the thing is, man, is that this is a very big time generational quarterback class where you see guys like Lance and Wilson and Lawrence and Mac Jones are getting all kinds of hype in fields. And I think that if the Niners really do believe in quarterback that, they will make the effort to go up and get him. So that so that's what that's with me saying that I don't think well, I think they did push themselves out of Zach Wilson range, but we see the aggressiveness of John Lynch Zach, and we see that they are very willing to trade up for draft picks and for players in particular. So by no means am I going to count out the Niners as a player for Zach Wilson. I think that if they really like their guy and they really want a quarterback, like we've seen teams like like teams like the Rams and the Eagles who at the time pushed up for Sam Bradford way back when, which cost like three, three or four first round picks. And then the Eagles themselves, when they made that move also costed them like two or three first round picks. And we saw like what the chiefs did with Mahomes, and it's going to cost a pretty hefty price. But if they want a quarterback, if they really believe that Garoppolo is not the answer and they want to get their guy for the future, I'm not going to rule out 
Zach Wilson anyway. Based on their first round pick now, though, I think they're treading towards the territory of playing themselves out of just being able to naturally pick him. I think that's fair. Um, and I know it's a completely different situation, but I remember a few years back when the 49ers, I want to say, beat Seattle. It was either Seattle or, or or the Rams, and everybody thought, there goes Nick Bosa. We, we no longer can draft Nick Bosa at number two, and it turns out they were still able to get him. Um, I think it's a little premature to say they definitely now are not able to get him, but I agree with you, Anthony. They're likely trending that way. If they continue to maybe win another game or two, they likely are not in position to, to just take them where they are and where the cards land. But again, I, I said this yesterday, the, this regime has proven that if there's a guy that they like in the first round, they are not, you know, there's a precedent there that they will go up and get that guy. They traded back into the first round for Ruben Foster. They traded back into the first round uh, for Brandon Ayuk. You know, like these are guys that they felt comfortable or, you know, they did trade for Brandon Ayuk, but they, these are guys that, they feel comfortable enough moving picks and players for, I do not see why that would be the case for a franchise player like Zach Wilson, who could likely come in and lead your franchise to a couple of Super Bowl victories. Um, if, if it all goes well. So I think that yes, they're likely maybe out of the range now, but it, there's still, you know, what uh, four games to go, however many games are left now. What are we in week? Yeah. So things can still go crazy. Um, there's a comment here from Thomas Roscoe. Mullins did not look good by any means, but he did look like he has made some improvements, the escaping the pressure and the completions at the end. There were a couple plays, Anthony, where I finally saw Mullins stare down the face of pressure, Aaron Donald, Donald and a few other Rams uh, defensive linemen, and literally escape the pressure, move, throw a dart, and that's not something we usually see from Mullins. Did you catch anything like that, and how much did it impress you? We saw a lot of that in the fourth quarter, man. And like I said earlier, is I thought a lot of what the play calling was in the fourth quarter on the last drive it was very reminiscent of the first drive of the first quarter. Mullins, you know, nutted up and he got the job done. That's the bottom line. And it's like that. I thought that Mullins had some really money throws. By no means is that going to be my indicator of, see, this is Mullins. This is who he is. This is the guy <laughs> moving forward. I'm not going to let that be the case, Zach. But Mullins' victory today today in terms of leading the offense to a game-winning drive goes to show how valuable it is to have a competent quarterback. But I will say that having a competent backup quarterback when the offense is unhealthy, like how Mullins looked before Debo, before the return of some key guys like Reed, Mostert, Wilson, it shows how bad he can be. And I think, Zach, that's the case with any NFL backup is that they are going to be as good as the playmakers in front of them. And I think those guys can go out there and win games. And I think they can go out there and get the job done. It's just a matter of circumstance. It's a matter of can they can the cast around them elevate the quarterback? And what's kind of scary to me is that we saw that happen today alone with one person back in Debo Samuel. I mean, he had no George Kittle. He had no Brandon Ayuk. He had rusty running backs. And Mullins still went out there and executed. And now if you picture Mullins having a full healthy offense, I think this game wouldn't have been as close as it was. I thought the Niners would have came away with more points. but. I, I like what I saw from Mullins today, man. I really it kind of reinforces my thought that Mullins is a good backup quarterback. He's just he's not a good long term quarterback unless you know unless he's thrown to guys like Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and maybe throwing a Julio and a DeAndre Hopkins just to save Mullins' day, man. But it, it, it's good. I, I I like what I saw from Mullins. It definitely kind of gives me hope that if they can keep Mullins and whether they draft a quarterback or get Garoppolo to buy in for one more season or whatever it may be that the quarterback position is in good hands. It's just a matter of health and consistency. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you there. He's not a guy that you're going to game plan around moving forward, but the circumstances are a quarterback for at least the immediate future. And they're able to kind of get it done, you know? So I think that the 49ers, they could have a lot worse. Um, I know some people were tweeting at me, why isn't uh, C.J. Beathard being put in when Nick Mullins is kind of struggling? I don't think C.J. Beathard is going to be able to do any better. Um, so I think that they're just going to have to make do with what they have. And I saw a comment in here from Ace Daddy. Should the Niners trade for Carr? I don't think they should. Um, at this point in his career, there's not much that they're going to get out of him. The upside isn't really there. Um I'd say he's like a more consistent Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not going to have, and he has, I think he has a better arm, um, but 
he's not going to go above and beyond and kind of make those wild plays for you. Um, I'd much rather them end up with a rookie quarterback, to be honest with you, a controlled salary for four years, a guy that Shanahan could finally handpick and say, this is the guy I want out of all those that are there, rather than kind of being, you know, tossed a guy and saying, hey, work with this, do do what you can with this. So what do you think, I think Anthony? That, Derek I think Carr? that's the thing, too, is I want to jump on the Derek Carr thing real fast, is that Derek Carr had a terrible game today. He had a terrible game against a, yeah. honestly, an underrated Falcons defense going into the season. But you look at Derek Carr's offensive line, and I think his line is a lot better than what Mullins and the Niners are working with. I mean, he has an all-pro center. He has a very good developing left tackle in Colton Miller. He has um, Gabe Jackson, I believe, still playing. Uh, I know Trent Brown's out. But the bottom line is that the Raiders' offensive line is significantly better than the 49ers. And you look at how bad Carr was today. And we know Carr's history of playing behind a really bad offensive line. It just ends up not being good for him. And if you put Derek Carr behind our offensive line next season, where we don't know if Trent Williams is coming back, we don't know which Mike McGlinch year we're going to get. There's all kinds of question marks on the offensive line, man. I just I wouldn't feel comfortable going after Derek Carr. But that kind of leads into the conversation of you look at mobile quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, like Russell Wilson, and to an extent Patrick Mahomes, who if you take away the generational aspect of their play and you just look at their mobility and their ability to move the pocket, it really hides a lot of bad offensive line play. And this is where I agree with Zach, where not only getting a young quarterback off of a rookie contract for four to five years is a great salary type move moving forward. You can get a young guy that Kyle Shanahan can crew and develop and who is likely more athletic and can really just move better than Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo. And at the end of the fourth quarter where I forgot who was, was talking about where Mullins rolled out and he actually rolled out of the pocket and threw it on the run. Bro, I, Mullins looked so slow, dude. He looked like he was running as fast as, as Matt would say, cargo plane McKinnon. And <laughs> that's, that leads to a lot of concern about how bad it is or not how bad, but kind of how, how the league is changing. You know, I mean, you don't see that many pocket quarterbacks anymore. You see a lot of guys who can just move and move freely. And that's what the Niners need. I think that's what this offense needs and seeing Mullins make that play, albeit a great play, but also seeing how slow he ran is kind of like a indicator that the Niners could get and should get more athletic at the quarterback position. So car car's not the answer. But whether it's Wilson or Lance or Trask or whoever it may be at this point, man, even when Garoppolo comes back, it feels like anything is an upgrade. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, that's what we're at. A uh, couple comments here. Coach, do not think the 49ers should trade for Carr. Too expensive for what we would be getting. Jimmy G will be the starter next season and will likely trade for somebody like Darnold to learn behind him. Um, I agree with the first half. I don't know if Jimmy will be the starter just yet. There's a chance that you know, they don't feel like keeping him for what he's worth or what he's currently signed for. Maybe they restructure. There's still a lot of cards that need to fall there in order to say that definitively, at least for me. Um, Jay Ellie, no thanks to that used car. <laughs> That's a good one. Donald would be something. Yeah, you know, that would be a reclamation project for Kyle Shanahan that I'd be comfortable with him attempting. Um, the the traits and the tools and, the, you know, they're all there with, with Sam Donald. You can't really fault anybody for not succeeding under the, the Jets, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the head coach's name, Adam Gase. Nobody's really having success outside of Peyton Manning in Denver. So there's not much that Sam Darnold could have done. Um, they need mobile quarterbacks. I agree. That's where the NFL is kind of trending towards right now. Um, they need somebody who can just improvise when the play falls apart. The 49ers currently don't have that. Uh, Jarek had a couple decent plays today. He There was that, like, Anthony, I think it was like a third and 28, and he got like 17 yards on it. I was like, oh, my God. He's oh, gonna yeah, get I thought he was going to get the first sound on that. I was like, whoa, this is like the Jets game where he got that big 55-yard carry. Yep. But I swear, if Matt, if Matt was watching that, you know, he's going, oh, my God, Jets so slow. But you know what was <laughs> kind of frustrating on that play was that Mostert wasn't in. And it really felt like after this game is that I thought Mostert was on a snap count. It really felt like that Shanahan and the offense was kind of limiting his usage and just kind of making sure he stays healthy. And that was a big story with him, Zach, is that – he was ready for the heavy workload this season and then he gets hurt. And then I know he did play today, but it feels like that he kind of got relegated to snap duties and kind of just on the snap count, like it was last season where everyone was screaming for Mostert. But the moment that I think the staff knew that you give him a heavy workload, he's going to get hurt. And I know he added to his frame and I know he kind of bulked up to kind of prevent that, but he still got hurt, you know? And I think that once he moves up and once his next game comes against the bills, I think we will see more of Start, but you got to figure that even with his success today, durability is still a concern. And 
it, it's just kind of nice that we also got Jeff Wilson back, who can really spell uh, Raheem Mostert and kind of take a lot of the pressure off him. But again, Wilson has his own share of injuries too, and it's a matter of how healthy can these stay, can these guys really stay if the Niners want a shot at still making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, um, Coach. Appreciate the love. Great podcast, great podcast as always. I think we have to improve at quarterback with our backups, get all of our receivers on the field. NFL is killing us with this COVID testing nonsense. We can help our quarterback more. Yeah, I mean, that's just 2020, right? They're just completely decimating the 49ers roster inside and out. Uh, Jimmy G is mid-tier quarterback making mid-tier money. He's still a decent deal at quarterback as a starter. Josh Rose will be another, but he can't scramble at all. Josh Rose would be really interesting. I think the Cardinals really did him wrong, and then so did the Dolphins almost immediately. Um, I think that that's a guy that could be brought in for cheap. And, you know, when when they signed Josh Johnson, I thought, why not Josh Rosen? He's a guy who has a lot more of an upside. He was, what I think, like top 10 pick or at least top 15 pick yeah, a couple of years 11. ago. He's 11. Yeah, pick. I mean, something is there, and I don't know what – I've never seen it to where a guy just completely gets, you know, stiffed out of Arizona – Stiffed out of Miami, and now he's on, I think, the Bucks practice squad. I think the 49ers would have done a lot better to sign him as opposed to Josh Johnson. Um, Fitzmagic and Mac Jones. I haven't watched enough Mac Jones to say definitively, um, but I'm all for Fitzmagic. He would be a, a pretty good upgrade over Nick Mullins right now. Um, this is like a video version. I think that means red gold standard. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, man. I think you're muted, Anthony. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you know, Zach, I think a lot of the quarterback talk in regards to what we were saying earlier, playing themselves out of position for Zach Wilson. Do you think that if, you know, obviously the, the hopes are kind of high in regard to the fans who want the Niners to return to the playoffs, but you think that if the team's success, if they do make a pretty decent run with the rest of Nick Mullins and if Garoppolo plays, do you think that the staff will be – not tricked, but do you think they'll buy into having Garoppolo and Mullins for one more season? Or do you think drafting a quarterback in the first round is still on the table for a position that could use an athletic upgrade? You know, that that's a good one because they could, that could happen. Um, you know, especially if they like win a couple more games and they kind of fall out of the position to draft a quarterback, they might think, Hey, you know what? We can kind of just roll with what we have. And I really hope that doesn't happen because I think, Jimmy Garoppolo, even at his best, is not going to win the 49ers too many games single-handedly. He's not going to go above and beyond like a Drew Brees or, or you know a Tom or a Peyton at their prime. And don't get me wrong, not many do. That's the reason why we know these guys by their first names only. But the 49ers have a talented enough roster to where they can get a guy who's just slightly above competent and above average consistently enough to make those plays and make everybody around him better. I don't think we can definitively say Jimmy Garoppolo is that guy right now. What do you think? You know, it's one of those weird things where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of circle back to this too, where you saw Nick Mullins play with Debo Samuel and with kind of a terrible offensive line. And he still got the Niners, the W. Now you kind of picture if you put Jimmy Garoppolo in his position today and, and, Barring, you know, it's all hypothetical. But if you put Garoppolo in Mullins' position and Garoppolo was healthy, how much better would today's game have gone? You know, and I think it's a good argument to have where it's like, yeah, Garoppolo probably would have improved the offense as a whole, but by how much? Would it have been by one more touchdown? Would it have been by another field goal? How much does Garoppolo's impact, you know, really, really affect the offense if Mullins is having this kind of day with one returning playmaker? And I think it gives you the idea that Garoppolo can succeed. It's just, like I said, it's a matter of how much. And you see that Mullins is bought into the offense and you see that he leads into a victory. It gives, I would imagine it gives the coaching staff the idea that, well, all right, if Mullins can do this under these circumstances healthy, once Garoppolo returns healthy and ready to rumble, we can imagine that Mullins or Garoppolo will outperform Mullins and be kind of the guy moving forward. It's just, man, Zach, it's a matter of how much do they really believe in Garoppolo. And I think the fans don't believe in Garoppolo as much as the coaching staff does. And I see a lot of speculation saying that, you know what, it seems like Garoppolo is going to return. But also you hear guys like Chris Sims saying that Kyle Shanahan and uh, Adam Peters have definitely been looking at quarterbacks. So it's a matter of how much do they believe in Garoppolo and how much are they invested into Garoppolo as Garoppolo is 
invested into the team. And Garoppolo seems like a really calm and well-natured guy where he doesn't really complain about much. But you got to figure out how did he feel after he found out that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were looking at Tom Brady. And you figure that, all right, well, if they're looking for a quarterback upgrade in Tom Brady and Brady doesn't even look that good this season, how does that factor into Garoppolo's feelings regarding the team, regarding the want wanting to be around in the long term? And what are they going to do about it, man? But it, it's a matter of can Garoppolo stay healthy? Is the front office invested in him? And is he invested into the team? And there's a lot of big question marks, but it, you know, at the end of the day, it's business, man. If they really feel like salary cap is more important than the quarterback position, which I think because of COVID and because of everything else, it is. I think, man, it's tough. It's tough to be in that kind of position as a front office, but I do think we could see a new quarterback after this season. Yeah, and I don't think that that's any stretch just i don't think that's a stretch to say that um i think that the 49ers you know i think they wanted to draft a quarterback and jimmy garoppolo kind of fell into their laps and they're kind of just like well i guess let's just see what we can do here um let's see some comments here from david yang jimmy's the only quarterback that can give us a chance to win while giving us a chance to develop draft and develop a quarterback for the future I mean, yeah, that's that's totally true. They could draft, they could sign, uh, you know, Fitzmagic type guy, Fitzpatrick type guy, as a bridge quarterback. But they do have Jimmy on the roster already. Um, now, whether he's going to be mature enough to understand his role and, and say, "I'm only here to mentor this young kid," and and after that, who knows where I go? Or maybe he pulls like a you know Brett Favre and Rogers, where he doesn't want to teach him anything, doesn't want to mentor him at all. Who knows? I mean, it could go completely different ways um but yeah i i agree ace daddy it is an expensive bridge quarterback they could get a lot cheaper but they could also you know jimmy garoppolo could come back healthy and play really well and then you get a situation again like brett Favre and aaron Rodgers, where you don't need this rookie quarterback to come in for a season or two or even longer than that so there's a lot that can really happen here and i think we just kind of need to wait a little longer i know we all like to you know get our oracles out and try and predict the future but we just need to kind of let and see where <laughs> yeah. these cards where these cards fall and, and go from there zach um, do you feel like that do you feel like that if garoppolo does stay on and they draft a quarterback do you feel like that this is going to be the kind of like the alex smith the patrick mahomes type scenario where i it, you know alex smith's like mentorship going to mahomes was huge but you look at someone like garoppolo who isn't as old as, Ma- as smith was at the time mahomes came in and you figure that garoppolo is in a contract year where he is playing for you know that next big bag and if they get a quarterback moving forward you know obviously garoppolo is you know on his way out after next season but do you feel like that that that'll be the case if they do go after quarterback or do you really think that it will be a fight between Garoppolo and you know first round quarterback a for the offense next season that's a really good question because and you brought it up there when you were asking Alex Smith was at a completely different point in his career than Jimmy G is right now Alex Smith had already had a couple of contracts and remember he had that first overall pick money back then it was a good amount more than what it is now um, and I, I know he, he had already been re-signed once and then another extension, if I remember correctly, that was a while ago. Um, he had already made a lot of money and Jimmy Garoppolo has only had one big contract. In addition to his rookie contract, he might be thinking, you know, no, I can still play at a high level in the NFL. I'm not going to give it my all and mentor this young kid to come and replace me. He's going to need to do that on his own and need to prove to this team that he can do that. Um, so I don't really know. I, I don't, I want to say no. I think Jimmy's the type of competitor, although we don't really hear it much. He doesn't really seem to be much of a vocal leader. I think that he's the type of guy that would kind of be more fiery and, and, you know, angsty almost and try and do everything he can to hold on to that starting job. Um, and, and, you know, more power to him. Every NFL vet is, is probably going to be like that unless you're a guy like, you know, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, where you're that you know, far into your career and you understand the role that you're brought in to do. I just don't see a lot of guys being the type of quarterback that Alex Smith was, where he was willing to just take that backseat mentor role um, twice, because you got to remember the same thing happened to him and in, in here in, with the 49ers. As soon as he got injured with that concussion, Kaepernick went in and he started lighting it up. And, and, you know, Smith went from the starting quarterback of a playoff team to a clipboard holding mentor slash quarterback coach so exactly alex smith not enough can be said about that man he's a fantastic dude 
and more power to him to see him finally back in action this year. What do you think? Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo has that type of mentorship in him? Not, I mean, you know, part of my language, but not to put it in kind of a, a dick way from Jimmy Garoppolo's perspective, but man, if I, if I'm him, I'm playing for my contract and I'm playing for a starting mm-hmm. job. And I mean, I don't think that if Jimmy Garoppolo goes out there next season and he is a starter, if they draft a new quarterback that, Garoppolo will lay eggs and play like how he has this past season. But I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, if all the pressure is put on him and he does, you know, kind of over-exaggerate his position to make things bad. And we've seen crazier things happen, man. I mean, as football, everything crazy happens at the quarterback position. But I think that for the time being, I think that Garoppolo will be the strength, will be like the starter moving forward, even if they draft a quarterback and We've seen Kyle Shanahan execute with rookie quarterbacks and young quarterbacks at his disposal, like Nick Mullins, like like Robert Griffin when he was there at the time, and Johnny Manziel, God forbid. And Shanahan can really work with any type of quarterback at his hand. It's just a matter of does he want to put a rookie out there into the fire? And I don't think he will. I think the matter what's weird is that if they do go after a quarterback and, and Garoppolo stays on as a starter next season – that the Niners are arguably still a Super Bowl team. And that's what's kind of scary is that you put Garoppolo in that situation where he goes out and wins you a bowl or takes you deep into the playoffs. And then it's all right, goodbye. You know, we got the next guy in the fold. And, you know, we keep talking about it, but it's a really similar situation to Alex Smith when he was in Kansas City was that he took them to the playoffs. And I think they lost to the Titans on that, uh, where Marcus Mariota caught the ball and they ran in for a touchdown. And that was that crazy playoff game against the Titans at the time. But, you figure that, all right, Alex Smith just took him to the playoffs, and a lot of that was because of Andy Reid, but Alex Smith still played well. Now put that in the circumstance of Jimmy Garoppolo, where I think if Garoppolo stays, we will see him play well. It's just we probably will be seeing him play his last season as a 49er next season. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that that's likely how it's going to shape up. It just depends on who is going to be replacing him. Um, but back back to this game because this is the Rams recap. <laughs> we kind of got ahead of ourselves a bit. Uh, Ace Daddy Richard Sherman looked good with Jason Verrett out there. I believe this is the first time all year we've seen them both out there together. Am I right? He, I don't think he played Week One, right, Jason Verrett? I don't think Jason so. Verrett. Yeah, I think I would say. Uh, yeah, I think he missed week first. Yeah, you know, I thought they looked good, dude. And what my favorite play of the whole game wasn't the sacks or the turnovers. It was it was when Cam Akers broke off that huge 40-plus yard run where um, I think Tavarius Moore just blew the tackle entirely. And you see Verrett's like right on his ass, and he just puts his head down and starts running, and he catches up and tackles him. Dude, that got me so hyped for so many reasons. And the main one is that we saw Jason Verrett, barring all the leg injuries, just go all out for a tackle and really just sold out on everything to save the game more or less. And – I don't quite remember if the Rams scored a touchdown after that run. I think they did. But when you see someone like that who has a pretty big knack of injury history where you would figure that with all those leg injuries, the guy would be a lot slower than how his play is, like a Richard Sherman, like a Jerry McKinnon in particular. But Barrett put his head down and ran, man, and that got me really excited. I really absolutely loved what we saw from the Niners' corners today. Obviously, they missed uh, Kwan Williams and then – Jamar Taylor was playing really well until he got hurt, and then Kayvon Webster got hurt himself. So really, it was a heavy dosage of Mosley, Verrett, and Richard Sherman, and they really didn't get picked on at all. They really didn't. If the only completions I saw on the guys were pretty much like short, quick outs where it was like five or ten yards or something, where it was like a short hitch where the receiver would catch it for three and then turn it into five or six, and the DB would make a tackle. But, Zach, I really liked what I saw from the corners today, and it only makes me kind of sad that we didn't get to see a season of Nick Bosa and D Ford altogether. But you see how like a makeshift defensive line, I would say, with guys like Kerry Hyder and a more or less underperforming Eric Armstead are still going out there and getting pressure. And we see that the DBs are capitalizing off it, like like a Richard Sherman interception and like all the turnovers we saw today, including the one from Javon Kinlaw as well, where Kevin Givens just pressured Goff entirely. And it hypes me up about Robert Sala, but it hypes me up that the DBs in the secondary aren't really getting toasted like I honestly thought they would. And I think that was a big story going into the beginning of the season, Zach, was that after Nick Bosa got hurt, after D Ford was pretty much confirmed to miss the rest of his career with all of his injuries, that the back half of the defense and, and the secondary in particular was going to be terrible. And they haven't been. The secondary has arguably been the best unit of the entire team. And that's not to knock Warner and Greenlaw because those guys look just as good today. But you look at everything going into how 
how secondary play is impacted by the defensive line. And you see that with all those guys injured, the secondary is still performing quite well. It gets you really excited and really hopeful that the defense is still going to continue to trend in the right direction for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, coach said it here himself. Ward plays his best when he's on the slot. That showed today clearly. Ward was all over the place today. Pass breakups, tackles, hitting, you know, hard hits. I was really impressed with his play because, and he's been playing at a high level for the whole, I'd say, last, you know, last season and up until now. But he doesn't really get the recognition because he doesn't get the picks. He doesn't have the, you know, really highlight-worthy pass breakups. But he's a solid player, and I think the 49ers are a much better play defense when he's in there. And I think today showed that, um, you know, really well. I want to break up or break down some stats, Anthony. What would you have said if I told you going into today? that Nick Mullins would have thrown for 352 yards in one pick and Jared Goff would have thrown 498 yards in two picks. <laughs> you know, what do you make of that? It tells me that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are just geniuses. I mean, you look at the Rams offense and you figure that their entire offense is healthy. You know, I mean, they got Robert Woods and they got uh, Cooper Cup. And Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby and Cam Akers and Derek, I can go on and on. But the matter is that they had so many playmakers, you know, and really it's just they, they couldn't do crap. And you look at the other hand where you would argue on paper that the Rams defense is better than the Niners just by looking at names and things of like that. But if you really look at the whole season stats, the Niners still have a top 10 defensive unit. And the fact that they went out there with virtually a coming into the game, you know, kind of a, uh, inconsistent pass rush and went out there and shut Jared Goff down for less than 200 passing yards. I would tell you, I am shocked because in this game, you saw my prediction in the chat, dude, I thought it was going to be 35 to 14 Rams. I thought they were, I thought Mullins' interceptions and turnovers were going to be the reason why the Niners lost. But, but I will tell you though, I will tell you the Niners still turned the ball over three times. They still had Mostert fumble, a Wilson fumble, and then the Mullins interception. They still turned the ball over three total times and they held the Rams to just barely over 300 total yards of offense. The defense played lights out, man. The defense played absolutely lights out. So coming into this game, no, I would not have thought that Nick Mullins was going to finish with more passing yards than Jared Goff. I think a lot of us thought it was going to be the other way. I didn't even think Nick Mullins was going to have 100 passing yards, man. That's how bad I thought today's game was going to be. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> comment here. Sherman did good. I agree. He can still play at a high level, but I wouldn't leave a man-to-man on speedy wide receivers. He's overmatched then great zone corner and a move to free safety maybe in his future if he's willing to he's already said previously that he is willing to although the caveat there was like when he feels it's towards the end of his career so i don't know if like he would feel disrespected if the coaching staff went up to him or like hey you want to go to free safety he's probably like whoa, whoa, whoa i'm not at, i'm not at that point in my career yet yeah although, you know, that's the thing too that's the thing is that free safeties take significantly less money than cornerbacks anyway so yeah. uh, you know sherman <laughs> negotiated his own contract with the 49ers and he, he's yep. a smart dude he went to, he's stanford educated so i wouldn't be surprised if he's going to a whole hold on uh, isn't he due for a new contract anyways i think the entire secondary yep. is due for you just, know so it, it's scary dude it's really scary and it's a matter of i, I don't want to get into it because we already have talked about it so much but it's a matter of you know, do you cut Jimmy Garoppolo and save $25 plus million that goes into re-signing guys like Sherman and Trent Williams and stuff? Or do you roll with the quarterback and, you know, just hope that you can match the same level of play from new guys as you could from the previous – from the guys in now? But that's a rabbit hole, dude. I, I, I don't want to get that, man. That's, that's like <laughs> gray hairs all around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, comment here from Brockefeller. San Francisco matches up well with the Rams. They really do. They, they have for a while. I mean, they're 4-0 in the last four meetings, but each game is tough. Looking back to the two games last year, uh, that first game in L.A. where the Rams came out right away, ran it all the way down the field and, and punched the Niners in the mouth, giving away, giving up their first uh, rushing touchdown of the year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they, yeah. They had a couple of fourth and goals or fourth, fourth down stops. I think one was a fourth and goal. That was a tough game. And then going forward, I think it was a Monday night game, if I remember correctly. Um, that one was in here in Santa Clara. That was a crazy game where, where Warner had that pick six right before half. And then oh, you yeah, had that's the one I called. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. remember and then you, your pick six. <laughs> yeah. And then you had Jimmy hitting um, you know, uh Bourne. 
Born and, and Sanders. Sanders on the yeah, 30, 17, yeah. 30, 18. So those games were really good. Looking back to this year, the 49ers completely outplayed them in their first matchup on, on Sunday night, I think it was, earlier in the year. And then this game, for the majority of the game today, they were in control. And if it wasn't for a couple of boneheaded turnovers, I think the 49ers would have won by a much wider margin. I tweeted at one point, the 49ers offense was keeping the Rams in the game which is a crazy yeah, thought to have. Yeah. But it's true. They were either incomp- in- incompetent and capable of sustaining drives, or even getting a first down, or just completely turning the ball over and, and giving the Rams direct points. So yeah. if they had a capable quarterback, it would have been a completely different outcome. That's what's crazy about that point too, Zach, is that the Niners had 34 minutes of offensive uh, time of possession. They, dom- they dominated the offensive side of the ball in terms of time of possession, but it's just – the offense struggled mightily in terms of just moving the ball. And that's what happens when you have all those turnovers. And why I said earlier that I thought the Niners got kind of lucky is that a lot of those turnovers put the team in very good positions to score points and win the game ultimately. And I think the defense really masked the offensive inefficiencies because of turnovers. And that's a whole entire math equation that I hate. But if you took away all the turnovers, obviously the offense wouldn't have looked that good in any fashion. But yeah, Zach, I really thought that – um the, the Niners offense just I think they surprised all of us but it's still a concern I think quarterback is still a really big concern moving forward but the Ram or the Niners have the Rams number you know and it reminds me of like prior prior to last season how the Seahawks would just always own us it feels like that the direction that team is trending in and even when the Seattle Seahawks were hurt going into the past games that they would still stomp the 49ers and if feels like that type of rivalry is really in the works now where it's like, okay, we're probably not going to see the Niners and Rams play again, barring anything crazy in the playoffs until the next season. But the matter is that, like Rockefeller said, is that Shanahan, uh, Robert Sala, they just have the Rams' number. And, and that's just kind of, you know, when you have the blueprint to beat a team, that's just how you go out there and win games, you know. And it's like we saw how, how in the Super Bowl two years ago when the Patriots beat the Rams, we saw that blueprint from bill belichick where they really just stacked the line of scrimmage and really just confused jared goff and pressured him from all different sides well you see what happens when when that happens and you build up the blueprint to beat a team and now you put that you kind of instill that into the 49ers where they're four and oh over the past two seasons it really shows how ownage is ownage man that's it's just the bottom line and that's just how football works just like any sport and i, and I love it man i i have you know it's not it, Okay, I'm not going to pull out the draft measures, but in a sense, it sucks that we played ourselves out of a Zach Wilson pick. But I will say that it's like sweet bitterness that we pretty much beat the Rams four games in a row. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I talked about it going into the game um, where I said, look, I just wanted to be competitive. I would be happy and, and confident or and content, I should say, with a competitive loss. If the 49ers... All I want from them is to go out there and give it their all. If they happen to come up short, three points, a touchdown, that's fine. Yesterday, I predicted them to lose by 10. I just didn't think they had the firepower to stay with the Rams, who have a hell of a receiving core, um, which, by the way, the, the 49ers defense did a really good job. They kept, I mean, Robert Woods, seven catches for 80 yards, but that came on 12 targets. Uh, Cooper Cup, two catches for 41 yards. Josh Reynolds, four, five catches for 40 yards. The Rams aerial attack so to speak there wasn't much of one and that's you know a lot of credit due to sherman verrett mosley and, and the guys up front who were kind of pressuring golf all day um i was really impressed with that i thought that it could have been a lot worse for the 49ers a uh, couple comments here i do want to get to melissa do you think the kinlaw is a bump peep shut it now he had a sack last week first one ever pick six this week what do you think Anthony? <laughs> yeah i think kinlaw is really coming into his own and you look at what he did against the Saints the past two weeks where um, the Saints really have a top five off- offensive line, in my opinion. And Javon Kinlaw just made the statement, along with Terry Hyder and all those other guys like they've been playing. And then you come into this game where the Rams' offensive line is significantly weaker than the Saints. But if you just factor in the consistency of the Rams, and they kind of came in as the hot team, Zach. They kind of came in as this team who is very well balanced on both sides of the ball, just absolutely somehow beat Tampa Bay and then demolished their previous opponent. You figured that the Rams are going to come in and really come in and play fiery. And the Rams didn't really light it up until the fourth quarter. And even then, the entire game was just the Rams kind of just sucking. So, and a lot of that is credited to the defensive line and Robert Sala, but I will give it to Javon Kinlaw, dude. 
I have never really been that critical of Javon Kinlaw just to kind of save myself. I really thought, you know, I, I did not like them having to move on from Buckner. If you look at all the hindsight now, and you would have figured that they would have been able to resign him. But, you know, that's a whole other argument. In any event, you look at how Kinlaw is developing. You look at how he's developing as a pass rusher. You look how he's developing as a run stopper. And he's playing a long defensive line talent that is really good, but it's not Nick Bosa. It's not D Ford. And it's not Ronald Blair. You still have Javon Kinlaw going out there and just overachieving by a mile. And I love that. I think that's very good in his development. And you look at what he's doing now, and you look at what he's done in particular just the past two games, it gives you a lot of confidence that he really can develop into the disruptive pass rusher that DeForest Buckner was for this team. And that's the thing, too, is that, Zach, is that Buckner was doing that alongside Bosa and D Ford. And it's kind of a double-sided coin where it's like, Buckner did it the season before without Bosa and without Ford. And then you look at it this last season where he did do it with him. And you compare that to Kinlaw where it's like, okay, if Kinlaw is doing that without the talent now, imagine Kinlaw next season when Bosa is back in. Who knows what happens with Ford? But maybe Kerry Hyder returns or Eric Armstead starts to dominate. And you just have all other guys stepping up, dude. It's, it's insane to even think about. And you look at Kinlaw now, you look at what the athletic stud is doing. His ceiling – I, I don't even know if he has a ceiling, Zach, because his athleticism and his ability to just shed blocks and get after the quarterback and what we've seen is I, I didn't even think he'd move along this fast. And I know we're almost done with the season already, but for him to just kind of just turn it on just like that is that's that's what gets me, dude, is that he really lit it up really fast. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, he does a lot of stuff that doesn't really show up on the stat sheets. Like you said, shedding double teams or just eating double teams in, in general. Um, and he, he's kind of matured throughout the year already. And we've seen a lot of growth that I'm, I'm pleased with. I think the 49ers, I, I think they knew they weren't going to get the production that they were getting from Buckner right away. Obviously that's a lot to ask of a rookie and you brought it up, you know, and your answer too, is that he was playing with the benefit of having a Bosa, a healthy Ford and, you know, another an, an Armstead next to him, who's not getting double teamed every play. That's not happening now. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pleased with Javon Kinlaw, and I'm really excited to see his development moving forward. Coach, I do see your comment in here about the Bills next week. We're going to wait on that. Saturday, we're going to go live previewing that game. I think we'll save our thoughts uh, for that. Um, let's see, going through some more comments. We're going to be wrapping things up here, guys. So send in your final thoughts here. Any questions? Can we show Debo some love? Hell of a return. Yes, yeah. sir. That's why I had to throw on the shirt. Debo's chain snatching services. You can get it on our Teespring store. Uh, Ace Daddy getting Bosa, re-signed Kevin Gibbons, Hyder, another speed rusher in free agency. We're going to be nice with Verrett. I agree. That's a nice returning defense. Um, there was a tweet, Anthony, from, from Ian Rappaport that I need to read out here. A not very 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan on the Santa Clara restrictions, booting them from home. Quote, we've been working with them as a partner trying to figure it out for everybody to find out without them telling us it was extremely disappointing. How concerning is it to you that the 49ers and the city or the county have not have a good relationship for their entire duration of them being here? You, you live closer to Santa Clara than I do, but I can tell you right now that California council, city councils and government suck. For, for the people watching out there who don't live in California or you do live in Southern California, Northern California is a mess half the time. And I'm not even a government econ major, so I can't tell you much, but I will tell you that at least living in Contra Costa County, our city council and our city government alone doesn't know how to address really important matters like infrastructure and, and schooling and things like that. And then you look at somewhere closer to home like Zach is in regards to Santa Clara, because I think Zach, you live in San Jose, right? You're out in um, San Jose. Just south, Morgan Hill. Okay, so you're really close to it, but you're a lot closer to Santa Clara than I am. It's mm -hmm. a matter of you see how those governments, I mean, it's the council, man. They don't tell the people anything. If they do, it takes it takes a huge effort from the city or from the residents of the city to go out there and want to promote some kind of change. So I'll tell you right now, man, I mean, it's government. Politics is politics. They're going to go out there and make the decision that's best for them. And I mean, we can tell you all kinds of instances of sports, not just in California, but just in the past where where the governments of cities or states really just decline or decide to not let things happen for whatever reason they believe in is right. I'm an A's fan, dude. I've been waiting for a new stadium for God knows how long. And the city of Oakland and the team don't seem to want to agree on getting a stadium. And it's just those kind of things where it's like, 
politics is politics and the government is government, man. And at the end of the day, the city of Santa Clara has way more power over the 49ers. And as much as I don't want them to abandon the brand new stadium, I would like them to abandon the brand new stadium, man, because it's just been out of hand with the city of Santa Clara at this point. It's just absolutely a joke. Yeah, it really is, unfortunately. And I think that the fact that they didn't even inform Kyle Shanahan and the rest of the 49ers organization, basically you're homeless as a team. You don't have anywhere to practice or to play. That's kind of shady to me. I did not know that. I'm learning this from this tweet here. I feel like you that's that has huge implications, you know, and, and further down the line that you can't just make a decision like that and not inform the team. I did see, I believe Eric Branch had reported previously earlier in the week when the news broke yesterday that they had kind of had a backup plan in place in the beginning of the year. Had this come to fruition, had the county said, look, you guys can't play a practice here. So it sounds like they do have a stadium, an NFL quality stadium in the backup plans. Um, and I guess it's going to have to be you know, implemented because the 49ers currently cannot play a practice at Levi's. So that's unfortunate. But I mean, I agree, Coach, Anthony, everybody here, um, just this this whole situation with the 49ers and the county and the city, it's not it's not boding well for anybody. Nobody's really winning out of this. It seems like all of the parties involved are unhappy. And it's unfortunate that they had to come to Santa Clara to get this stadium because they couldn't find the, the funds for it up in San Francisco. That stadium, can you imagine Levi Stadium where Candlestick was, Anthony? How beautiful that would be. Oh, my God. I, missed, I never even got to go to Candlestick, dude. You know how much that oh. sucks? I know. I missed out on all the all the goods that Candlestick had to offer. But, I mean, again, it's just I, – I can only imagine what that stadium would have looked like. And, I mean, for the city of San Francisco to kind of not want to provide that kind of funding, and that's a whole other political matter I, I don't even want to get into. But – it sucks, you know, and it feels like that Santa Clara was the fallback option for the 49ers and Jed York. And it just feels like, dude, ever since they moved into the city of Santa Clara, there's just been problems. Problems after problems after problems that the team has had to deal with in regards to dealing with the county. And obviously, COVID is a whole different matter. That's the type of discussion you can have with your friends and family, not me or us, because it's it's too much. But I will say that for the city to come out and not really discuss or talk or just make it make a, an abrupt decision without even informing the team in any way. And you're talking about a you're talking about a multi-billion dollar franchise that you would argue that has brought a lot of success and brought a lot of good for the city of Santa Clara to go out there and really just do them dirty like that is is to say the least very shocking. Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate that's where we are. Um, real quick, we we do our giveaways. If somebody predict correctly predicts the final score uh, ahead of time, usually it's before the game starts. I tweeted it out late today, so I did let it go through the end of the first quarter. Unfortunately, I went through all the replies. It doesn't look like anybody got it correct. There were a couple of guys that were 17, 20, uh, 20, 24, 21, very close, but nobody got it. So guys, if you're watching, continue to predict the final score um you know before the, the game starts and if you get it right we'll send you some free merch um appreciate this this compliment here thanks for another great stream can't wait till you guys get 1k viewers every time neither can we trust me we, yeah. we're there slowly <laughs> we're getting there guys we do appreciate everybody's support um we were, we're still a new channel so we're just trying to get the word out there if you want to support us share our videos subscribe hit that like button drop a comment it feeds the algorithm uh, we do appreciate it Coach, <laughs> a little too late, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. <laughs> um, same with you, Shulo. That, that's funny. Um, and yeah, Candlestick was awesome. The great energy, synergy. There were some view problems in certain areas, but it added character to the games. That and man, it got freezing as soon as halftime went down or occurred and you know, second half came. It dropped like you know half the temperature it was. It got so cold. I remember always going there. You would be sweating in the first half, and then as soon as halftime comes, man, you were <laughs> shivering. It, it was freezing out there. You know, it would hit like that. Um, yes, hit the like button, guys. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, I think we're around 1,100 subscribers. We're very close to our goal of 10 million. So just keep subscribing, and we're going to get there eventually. But, Anthony, I think that's going to do it. Do you have any final thoughts here? No, Zach, great episode, great W today. Uh, I think I'm going to start to start letting go on Zach Wilson hopes unless I, you know, I mean, the Bills game is going to be the ultimate determinant of if this Niners team is playoff capable. 
I mean, after that, it kind of softens up. I think we got the Reds. Oh, ooh, ooh, I almost got sued if I said the name. <laughs> I would have been sued on stream if the Washington football team and I think the Seahawks and maybe and the Cowboys too. The Cowboys, Cowboys is another game we got to play too. But I mean, everything is pointing in the direction of this team has the chance to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of do they want it? How bad do they really want it? But in, in any event, man, great win, great episode. Can't wait till we get back into it once again, man. And I'm very excited once we can hit the 1k viewers every time man i, I might have to start creating a bunch of fake accounts <laughs> <laughs> don't say that you're gonna get us banned but uh, <laughs> thanks everyone coach shulo jay ellie everybody else in the chat appreciate you guys tuning in consistently you guys make this really fun for us so thank you everybody go niners catch us live saturday evening usually around 5 36 we'll go live for an hour previewing uh the bills game so catch us then Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Have a good night and have a good week.